Hey everybody, this is Ryan Pauly with Coffee House Questions, and I'm excited to be talking with you guys again and uh, have a special guest. Um, whenever I come and visit Colorado, I'm on, I'm on vacation in Colorado right now, and came back for an appointment and ended up celebrating my nephew's birthday and just being able to spend time with family. But uh, if you've been following this podcast for a little while, you know that whenever I'm back in Colorado, I like to have a special guest on with me and and just discuss different issues. And so joining me again is a very special guest to me, my mom, Rose Polly. So mom, thank you uh, just for, you're you're my most frequent guest on, the, on my podcast. Oh, man, I'm honored. I think this is the third time. <laughs> Uh, last time that we discussed uh, something, right now my mom is a registered nurse, and what is kind of a little bit that you do with your nursing now? Right now I'm working as the nurse educator and patient advocate for the Breast Diagnostic Center here in, in Loveland for Banner, and it's just an amazing opportunity to come alongside women going through tough times or um, you know, navigating new territory with their health and being able to come alongside them and, and be their advocate and support them. And that has been a, just a blessing. Yeah. So one thing, I mean, you've done a lot. And one thing that's come up in the past is you, you started out as a registered nurse. Mm -hmm. You did nursing. And when I was young, there was a traumatic event in your life. Um, mm -hmm. And we've told a little bit of that story on this uh, on Coffee House Questions before when we discussed, mm -hmm. can God use you know evil for good? And you shared a little bit of your story. But... Um, you know, we're not going to go into that as in depth today, but I want to encourage you, those that are listening, if you haven't checked it out, um, my mom, she wrote Desperate Hope, uh, Desperate Hope uh, by Rose Polly. You can find it on Amazon. Can you share just maybe a, a very short snippet, kind of what is that book geared towards? What is it being, how is it being used? Um, and, and who's it kind of written to? And what, what I don't know, what is the purpose and, and meaning mm -hmm. behind that story that you've shared in Desperate Hope. Yeah, you know, for me, it was uh, it was both difficult and an entire honor to be able to share that story because it was something that happened in my life that changed the entire trajectory of my life. And being a nurse for 14 years, and then going back to school, and during that time having this uh, event where a man entered my home, uh, held a knife to my neck, and his intent was not good. And at that moment of greatest uh, trauma, I started to pray out loud. And at that time, um, he just stopped. He, he paused as the knife was facing me in my home, and I was able to escape out the front door. And in that whole process, uh, the story is quite remarkable in how it all turned out. But uh, he went to prison and during that time had a life-changing encounter with God. Meanwhile, because of my own story and going through this experience, I too had a life-changing encounter with God. And I learned that he was in the midst of the deepest, darkest times of our lives. I learned that he is the one that can both heal our hearts and change our hearts. And as I found my own self drawing near to him and finding a place of peace that was inexplainable, uh, a fear that was being removed from me that I knew that he was doing in his uh, supernatural way, and uh, a deepening uh, trust in him that developed over time and an understanding of things like um, forgiveness and, and both for myself and, and extending to others. All of that culminated in reconnecting with the man that had been in my home 16 years later and being able to hear the whole other side of that story 
And so Desperate Hope was written with both of our stories involved, both um, in first person, written as a novel, and yet it's true. And it's a story of God saving our lives, both on two sides of the equation and finding that it propelled us both in new directions. Yeah. So that story obviously just was a huge impact in his life, in your life. It's written into Desperate Hope. Where can people find uh, on Amazon and mm-hmm. the website, DesperateHopeBook.com? Yes. There's another place There's you can get There's another place you can go mm-hmm, awesome. to purchase the book. Now, and so what that story then did is, is that event happened. It changed the direction of your life. You went from nursing into pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. And you, you spent 14 years yes. as a pastor Mm-hmm. Working alongside women, doing missions, uh, you know, a lot of different jobs in in, in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Celebrate recovery. Yes. Just very, just, mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, how would you kind of describe it? I think, you know, the main way, just really coming alongside people in counseling roles. Yeah. And I, I think that the biggest thing that I learned in all of that was no matter where we're at, no matter what choices we've made, no matter what we have done or what has happened to us, both sides of the equation, uh, there is a God that wants to break into that place mm-hmm. and give us a new start, a new hope, a new opportunity. It's never too late to have a new beginning. And I had one for my own self. Matt, the man in my story, was experienced a new beginning. And as I look at, at that, that story, I realize that you know, he came into my house that day, unbeknownst to me, in a desperate, hopeless place. He didn't care what happened to me, and he didn't care what happened to him. And when someone once said, when hope is gone, consequences don't matter. And so we have a lot of consequences for um, violent and uh, antisocial behavior. But when hope is gone, those things don't even matter. But something changed um, that day for me and for him. And the power of God entered in and the hope of God entered in. And so I feel like I am living on bonus time and I have committed my life to breathing that kind of hope into other people who are hopeless. And I find that they are in all kinds of arenas. And I think one of the big ways that you do that and the reason why I wanted to record this with you today is is one area I think that you have a lot of wisdom in is the area of relationships and just having hope and, and you you perform a lot of weddings, mm-hmm. uh, do a lot of pre-marriage counseling, uh, you lead Bible studies with young uh, young women, college age women. Uh, when I was in high school, you you led the girls uh, group and the high school girls mm-hmm. in my high school and and working with them. And so I think that one one thing that one aspect of your ministry now is is heavily focused on on weddings and marriages and relationships mm-hmm. and really mentoring and counseling young people in that area. Would you kind of say yeah. that's one of the big things? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think now that you know you you have left pastoral ministry at least in the in that one aspect of yeah. being at a church, mm-hmm. gone back into nursing, uh, but have continued to kind of mm-hmm. reach out to young people and, yeah. and and offering that advice and that wisdom and, and that hope in in different areas of their lives and how to mm-hmm. relate and 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 have a, a foundation in Christ when it comes to relationships and yeah. so that's what I wanted to kind of talk to you about a little bit today and so a few questions that I had. Um, is what would be kind of a main piece of advice that you would give to young people? You know, I, I work with high schoolers and, 
And, you know, I'm a young adult and I have lots of young adult friends that, you know, we get into relationships or, you know, my students, I see them in relationships and trying to offer advice on how to do this wisely, how mm-hmm. to how to get into a relationship. What is a biblical view of a relationship and that sort of mm-hmm. thing? And so I guess the first big question is, what is there kind of a one big piece of advice that you would give to a high school, college age, kind of a young adult getting into a relationship? Mm-hmm. What, are, what are some wise steps to take and maybe some things not to do, some, you know, how to maneuver in that sort yeah. of a situation? Yeah. You know, I think probably for me, one of the greatest things that I think I can, I off, I can offer as far as here's an area that matters most, and that is the kind of person that you are and building into that kind of person that you are. You know, so many people are, are, young adults are looking for a relationship and they're looking to fulfill needs. They're looking to fulfill needs of love or acceptance or belonging or, um, you know, companionship. And as they're looking to fulfill their needs, often they're grabbing out to try to grab hold of that, to meet something that's deep inside. And and that sometimes can get, a person into trouble because it becomes something that's self-serving in many respects even though you're um, engaging in this relationship underneath it all is a self-serving interest how can I fill my need for whatever that may be and one of the things that I I discovered uh, in between you know the the nursing and the pastoring and actually during the pastoring went back to seminary and and went through and finished a master's of theology in in at uh, fuller theological and it wasn't that you had to have a master's of theology to understand scripture but what that journey did for me in the nine years that it took for me to get through that is it dug me deep into the word of god and I realized that the more I was embedding my own self in the Word of God and, and not going at it trying to just pull out things that I liked or pull out you know, a, a scripture that I could paste on my mirror because it, it helped me feel good about myself for that day, even though that's not a bad thing to do. It, it taught me to go into scripture to say, who is God? What are his ways? What is his heartbeat? What's important to him? And what are his desires for my life? And I learned that when I approached scripture in that way, I was coming at it with an open heart and open hands and a desire to have my own life changed and transformed as God would choose to do that. And when it comes to relationships, if there's anything that somebody can bring into the relationship that I think matters more than anything else, it's a heart that is filled with a love and a desire for God. And so there's a fullness that comes into the relationship. I'm not coming into it needy, trying to grab a hold of whatever I can to meet my holes in my heart, but I'm coming with a fullness with God and his love so that I'm wanting to enter into relationship with the idea this is going to be a mutually beneficial, mutually growing, expanding, fulfilling relationship. And I think that, that that's a great point because that plays into a lot of what, you know, I, I've thought a lot about lately and we've discussed it, at least, you know, kind of when it comes to interpreting the Bible well. Mm-hmm. And if we approach God and biblical interpretation and all these things that we talked about last week, and you know, when I talked about interpreting Proverbs twenty two six, is this is this is for me. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, when we read scripture and this is applying to me, God is speaking to me, this is for me, and it's all about me and what am I going to get out of it, mm-hmm. then that can be used to twist and manipulate and, and whatever yeah. problems that can cause. Mm-hmm. Rather than coming at scripture and saying, what is God trying to speak to his people? What mm-hmm. can I understand more about the character of God? Yes. And, and the same way goes, you know, with truth. And, mm-hmm. you know, do we create our own? Is mm-hmm. truth just based on, you know, my own interpretation, my own feelings, my own desires, and I create it? Or is there a truth outside of me that I am trying yes. to discover? Yes. Is there some standard? Is there some person? Is there something outside of me that I am trying to figure out and then shape my life around rather than it all reflecting back on me? Yes. And I think a lot of that comes from kind of the individualistic culture mm-hmm. of the United States. Yeah. I agree. And you know, as I meet with so many young couples, one of the things that I, I love saying is, you know, when when we really get it, when we understand a true reality, we realize that God's ways are absolutely the thing that's going to bring me the most fulfillment and joy. Sometimes from a human perspective, we think that we know what where it's going to make us happy or what's going to fulfill our needs and we go after crazy things that truly do not satisfy things that absolutely uh, actually hinder us or, or diminish us when we actually get a hold of them and when we see it rightly we will understand that the creator who created us knows exactly what we need in the very core of our lives for the greatest fulfillment and truthfully, it is that discovery that brings a lot of joy. It brings a lot of blessing, really, into our lives to discover the heart of the Creator and allow our hearts to surrender to that will yeah. of God and find the joy that's there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was thinking about what you just said about, you know, it's all about not, you know, what it, I think is going to fulfill me, but understanding that God has this greater plan. Mm-hmm. How would you go about talking and and counseling a young person or or even an adult that doesn't quite understand or really accept that God's plan is that greatest plan? You know, I think that that's that's common. And... um, But the truth is that every person, probably if they really took a look at it, can think of times in their life when they went grabbing for something that they thought that they wanted or would fulfill their greatest desire, only to find it coming up empty, only to find it going through their fingers like sand. And when, when you really have a chance to take the time to slow down, to evaluate what life is really all about, I think that... At some level, people will understand, they can understand, that there are some things that really do matter, and those are quality relationships. What do we have, really, when when it's said and done, that really feels like it has the value that's worth pouring our lives into? It's our relationships. And then when you can come to that conclusion and say, this is the thing that matters most, then how can I enter into those relationships in ways that is mutually beneficial and healthy and life-giving and value-giving? And the truth is that it is really the very heart of God. It's the image of God in mankind, whether we believe in him or not. He's put his image in us. And his love is different than a 
human type of love. I think the natural human heart, apart from God, is self-serving, is self-centered. We're, we're, that's just the natural humanity in us, to focus in on what's good for me, what's best for me. It's inward focused. God love is so much different. God love is self-sacrificing love demonstrated fully you know the cross with Christ he gave us this example of a different kind of love and the truth is that the more that we connect with him the more that we open our lives to be um, filled with his heartbeat the more our love starts transforming from self-centered love to self-sacrificial love and it's coming into any relationship really with that kind of of connectedness with someone else that I'm thinking how can I pour into your life in a way that increases your value and worth that encourages you that lifts you up that brings blessing into your life that actually in a strange kind of way brings the greatest into mine as well yeah yeah and that you know that's an idea that I just covered with my students this last week of this idea looking at the Christian worldview and one, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? And it's not that he, we, he looks like us. God does mm-hmm. not have a physical body. He yeah. doesn't look like me. He doesn't look like you. And there's not a combination of all of us that he looks like. Mm-hmm. But that w- there are these characteristics and attributes yes. of, of God yeah. that we have. And that's what it means to be created in his image. And one of those is relational. Absolutely. And what's interesting to see is that we are able to practice or live out in the attributes of God in a relational way, even in our fallen and broken world. Right. And we are able to love and to show love, even if it is this broken picture of love in Mm -hmm. our world. Yes. And so to understand that you take our kind of greatest affection or greatest experience of love and realize that that's even a broken picture of what true love Mm -hmm. looks like. Yes. It's just incredible to see what the love of God really is for us. Mm Mm-hmm. And the second thing being, we talked about this idea of humanity being broken and what does that mean? And it's this idea of, you know, with all, with before and, and in heaven, I believe that we will have all of our thoughts being focused on God and what does God want to do and, and what does he want for my life? Yeah. But with sin entered in and that relationship being broken is what it did is it did turn our thoughts back in on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I asked my students of, of all the... You know, whether you believe in sin or not, you know, we can call it just bad things or whatever you want to call it. If you think about all the bad things that you have done, is selfishness at the heart of that action? Mm-hmm. Right? We cheat on tests because I want to get a better grade. We steal because I want this for free. We make mm-hmm. fun of pers- a person because I want to feel better. And it's this selfishness that really is at the heart mm-hmm. of the bad, sinful things, whatever you want to call it, that we do. Yeah. And it comes out of that broken relationship and just the sinful world that we live in. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I think that's a huge point. You know, um, we we talk about the image of God in Majo Dei, you know, in the Greek. That image of God is implanted in every human being. And, uh, you know, some allow that image to be expressed in a greater way as they surrender to the Lord who's working on the inside. But the truth is, we see evidence of that all throughout humanity. And as I am counseling uh, couples, you know, getting ready for a marriage, we talk about those things in a marriage relationship that actually are a very huge piece of the heart of God. And here's, here's another one, and this is forgiveness. 
You know, the ability to truly forgive is not a natural human thing. You know, we hold grudges, we hold offense, we um, we look at, at others and, and we, we keep track of the wrongs. But when there is the ability to release another from the debt that they owe us and truly put that into the hands of God, it is a giving of ourselves. It's a sacrificing of ourselves to forgive. And when a person is able to do that, it is evidence of the image of God that is planted in the heart of humans. Imperfect as it is, it is still a piece of God that yeah. is in us that allows us to do something that's humanly unnatural. Yeah. Another one is, is, is to commit, is that, that ability to covenant and commit to another person to say, I'm, I'm here and I'm never going to leave you. And, you know, we're imperfect in that for sure. But God is the one that said in his word, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And he has shown us the perfection of commitment and covenant and promise. Yeah. And yet when we enter into his reality, when we allow him to work within the depths of our hearts, he is implanting those very things within us. And when we talk about either a friendship or even going deeper in a marriage relationship, that desire and even ability in our broken humanness to commit and covenant to another person through thick and thin, through the difficult as well as the joy-filled times is really a picture of the image of God that is implanted within us and his heart that is a part of the human heart. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Um, and I just want to repeat, if you guys are just joining, um, I'm talking just on relationships and, and how to be in relationship with someone and, and marriage and with uh, Rose Polly, the author of Desperate Hope uh, book. And and so if you're listening on After Reliance Radio, um, that's kind of our discussion today. But just kind of moving on from that, one, one thought that came to my mind, one question is you hear a lot from people kind of, you know, that are in a relationship or about to get married or even if they are married and, and they say things like, you know, oh, why do you love this person or you know how you know and they oh they make me feel better they make me make me a better person and and would you would you say that that might be kind of what we've been talking about the selfish or self-centered kind of thing what would be a correct response I mean, what how do you think about when someone answers in that way you know i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing okay. because um when when we're in a relationship there's a mutual give and take and so that give and take allows us to just have a joy in that relationship and have a fulfillment in there. And so people will often express it in that manner. But I think that there's also that component that is a part of it as well where, where a person is not just in that place of how that person makes me feel, but there's a love and, a, and an admiration. There's an appreciation of what that other person brings as well. Those qualities that might be even different than my own that I see can expand me and, and, and allow me to be a more uh, broad person, you know, in, in what that other person brings into my life and vice versa. Yeah. And so uh, we often talk about it as a, not a, a dependent relationship, but an interdependent relationship where there's that value on both sides that's give and take. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And so, you know, when, when someone is kind of taking that next step uh, in the relationship, moving towards marriage, 
How important to you is it to understand a biblical view of marriage? And is that different than kind of, have you seen it in a cultural view of marriage and what our culture puts forth? Yeah, you know, I think it's very important. And here is why. Sometimes the ways of God or the principles of God seem arbitrary to us. It often is presented or maybe even appears to us to be these arbitrary rules that somehow I have to abide by to be a, quotes, good Christian or a, quotes, good person. And when you dig deeper below the surface, you realize that God is not just this arbitrary God just putting out a set of rules just so he can prove he has authority over our lives. He is a God that out of great, great love created us and knows exactly what it is that we need, what our deepest desires, where they will be most fulfilled. He is a God that has designed marriage and relationships. And he is a God that knows this is, this is what it is that will bring you the deepest, most fulfilling life that you can have. And it's his heart and his principles and his word. And I think about, just as a little diversion, the story of the rich and ruler who came to Jesus and said, what do I have to do to in- inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus said something about, you know, well, have you kept the commandments? And he says, yeah, I've, al- I've already done that. I've done that since I was a, a youth. And Jen, Jesus says this thing, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And the Bible says that the rich young ruler left saddened because he couldn't do that. And when you look at that story superficially, it looks like some arbitrary demand that was this huge demand that Jesus was making on him. Just give this all up to prove that you love me and come follow me. But when you dig below the surface, what you realize is that the very source of life and riches and everything that had value was in Jesus. And he was looking at this young man saying, you're hanging on to something that is so inferior, so unable to meet your deepest need. Just just release that and come find the fullness of life, the greatest riches there is. And he couldn't do it. And so it wasn't some arbitrary rule. It was a whole trans, a whole different kind of life, a whole different um, uh, concept or, or way of looking at life that he was inviting him into. And I think it's the same thing with marriage and relationships. I think sometimes that we look and we see, um, oh, what will satisfy my need? And we have in a culture that is out looking for physical pleasure and in all kinds of ways and, and kinds of things that, they, that we think, oh, this is going to satisfy my, my need. And so many times that's coming up empty. And when Jesus, and you know, he talked and quoted from the Old Testament, but he talked about this idea of one flesh. You know, man would leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and become one flesh. He was talking about a totality of a bonded relationship that was rich. And it had to do with that physical bonding, and it had to do with doing life together and a spiritual bonding that made this one flesh take place. And when we in our culture look at that lightly and we enter into that world of physical bonding you know an intimacy or you know living in that place without the commitment of marriage or without the heart of god i think that we're trying to grab hold of those things like that rich young ruler 
that are really we think are so important and we think meeting our needs are so important and yet from God's perspective he's just saying that's not going to satisfy the deepest part of you that's not going to meet the need for which I created you I've created you to be in these rich healthy and dynamic relationships that are life-giving and fulfilling do it my way come into my arena look at it through my perspective and walk in my ways and you're gonna you're gonna be able to capture something that nothing can ever replace yeah yeah there was a speaker that uh, just came and and spoke to our students and, and he said something of the sort of the one who calls you, the value of the one who calls you is far greater than the things that identify you. Ah, oh, that's good. And I think that it, that's so true in what you were saying of that we, we try and grab onto these things to get our identity, to get our value, not realizing that the one who's calling us, the God who's calling us is far more valuable. The things that he offers is far mm-hmm. more valuable. And we see these, you know, prohibitions on, you know, uh, the ways that you need to act and live and, and you know, you know we talk about sex before marriage and living together and all these sort of things is keeping us from having fun. You know, you talk to high schoolers and say, oh, God, God doesn't want us to have any fun. Not recognizing that, you know, the, the no's are in a way to protect us for something yes. that's far better, yes. for the plan that's far greater. So in the last 30 seconds, what would you sum up as just the the heart of what we've been discussing right now with relationships? I absolutely believe it's when you have covenanted together to place God in the center of your relationship. And if you're getting married or are married, in the center of that marriage. And it, it is the love of God. It's a transforming love that changes everything. Wow, that is so good. Thank you so much for joining me again. I, I always love joining you. And for those of you listening, go check out Desperate Hope Book on Amazon and uh, DesperateHopeBook.com and check out those resources.